What will you do differently now that you have survived something like this? In a word, everything. Welcome to Free Your Inner Guru. I'm your host, Laura Tucker, and thank you very much for joining me here on the podcast. This week, I am compelled to share with you some of my experience of two very different human emotions and experiences, survivor's guilt and gratitude. October the 8th is the eight-year anniversary this year of the day and the event that introduced survivor's guilt into my life. October the 8th is also Thanksgiving Day here in Canada, and I'm highly aware that as this podcast gets released through the week, that many of the listeners who are Canadian will be thinking about gratitude as much as they are about tragedy and the the challenges of the world that we live in today. And this is part of my motivation. Because if there's anything that I can say that might be helpful, I'm going to do my best here to say it. And I think the context that I want to use is, is what every Thanksgiving has been like over the course of the last eight, nine years, if you include 2009. October the 8th, 2009 was a couple of days before Thanksgiving. It was a day that is emblazoned in my memory, in my cellular memory, and uh, it is just something that doesn't go away. I was at the Sedona Sweat Lodge. Three of my peers at this spiritual retreat died in an event that was meant to be celebratory, and I've taken to calling it a peak-to-pit experience. Now, there's details that uh, of my involvement that are on my website and in the documentary Enlighten Us, and actually in next week's podcast, my friend Julie Min is coming on here, and we actually explore in the interview that we recorded several months ago a lot of the detail around that. So I'm going to keep it to the context of Thanksgiving. But uh, the, uh, the way things played out that day, in short, left me feeling like I could have done more to intervene and quite possibly have changed the outcome for a very beautiful person who was with me in the sweat lodge, Liz Newman. And so I'm thinking of her as well as Kirby Brown and James Shore and everybody who was there as I share this with you. So October the 10th, 2009 was Thanksgiving. I was on my way home from Phoenix after having spent 48 hours in a stupor. I was wandering around the Phoenix airport trying to make sense of where I was, what I was doing why my friends had died, and I was hiding. I was hiding because it was all over CNN, and CNN was playing all over the airport, and I did not want to be seen, heard, recognized, or even associated with the event. I didn't know what to do with it. I did not have the mental or the emotional capacity. And so I distracted myself 
by shopping in the airport, keeping my head down and just wishing that I could be back home with my family. That was Thanksgiving 2009. Thanksgivings of 2010, 11, 12, and 13, they were quite different. I was living in Western Canada, in Kelowna, and uh, during Thanksgiving 2010, I was, I well, I guess we weren't married yet, but I had my first Thanksgiving with my now husband, Tony, and stepson, Cameron. And uh, it was my first Thanksgiving with my small new family, and we cooked a meal, but my mind wasn't, I wasn't present. My mind was with everyone who was marking the day, who had been with me, and I didn't know how to um, express what was going on inside, how I couldn't believe that it had been a year, how I still really hadn't, despite going to every single type of therapist and body worker, was only just scratching the surface of what my emotions and what my extreme sense of responsibility was and what um, a burden, how heavy that was for me. But I soldiered on and powered through. And this is one of the reasons why you'll hear me talking about powering through and how it's not good for you. We can't power through our emotions. 2011, another Thanksgiving in Kelowna, my dad came out to visit and uh, we cooked a an incredible meal and had what is one of my fondest memories. My father had fallen in love with Kelowna and the Okanagan Valley when he came out that summer for our wedding. So that Thanksgiving was really special. And the shift and the busyness around it really kept me from doing um, what I what I like to do, which is take a little bit of quiet time on that day. 2012, on Thanksgiving 2012, I ran a half marathon. Every step, as my foot pounded that pavement, every step, every single one of you who were there with me, were with me on that run the entire time. I was grounded, I was connected, and as I plodded my way through, still to this date, the most successful run of my not-that-glorious running career, I felt a sense of gratitude for being alive in my body, and, uh, and it was a wonderful, beautiful day. I don't remember much of Thanksgiving 2013, Um, It was my last Thanksgiving in Kelowna. We moved back to Toronto in 2014, during which time, two years ago, I hosted Thanksgiving dinner for the entire Tucker tribe, minus one. My father had passed away about six weeks previous, and it was very heavy. Again, all day long, thinking about my friends, thinking about the families who had lost and the lives that were touched by all of it. 2015. Earlier in the year, I had participated in the interview for Enlighten Us, the CNN film's documentary that I'm featured in, 
not much of a feature, really. I don't get to say much of anything about what I thought or felt, but as far as color commentary and what that experience is, you can see the weight of it on me as I spoke about these events for the first time in over five years. And last year, last year felt like a giant step backwards. Last year was filled with so much uncertainty because although I had seen the documentary Enlighten Us and knew what was coming, I also knew that it was going to be airing on CNN. And I had been reliving the events of 2009 over and over again, whether it was at the Tribeca Film Festival or the um, one in Telluride, Mountain Film, or the many times over and over in my head as I dropped back into worrying what other people would think and would we be marginalized again? Would we be judged for being stupid, for not doing enough? Things that compounded my experience of survivor's guilt. So you know what I did to handle that? I canceled Thanksgiving dinner. It was just too much for me. It was a bad day. I could feel it coming and I knew I needed to go inside. So we went out for dinner. This year on Sunday, the family will be coming over. And I am now dipping into feelings of gratitude. Gratitude to be alive. Gratitude to have a voice. Gratitude that... I can answer that question, what will you do differently now that you have survived something like this? The answer is everything. If you're experiencing survivor's guilt, it will influence every single thing that you think, say, do, and experience. I don't believe there's any way to get around that. And as I watched some of the interviews this week in the wake of events in Las Vegas, in particular, an interview with a gentleman by the name of Brian Claypool, who so elegantly describes his feelings and the questions that he's asking himself. Like, who determines who gets killed in all of this? Is it based on where you're sitting, standing, And the idea that he might have to go through the rest of his life wondering, why did some of these people die and why didn't I? When I heard these words coming out of his mouth, I realized that I absolutely have something so unique that I can be grateful for. It's the ability to know exactly how he's feeling. Not because I have empathy, which I do, not because I have compassion or am compassionate, which I am, but because I have been in your shoes. And this is what I want to illustrate by sharing what the trajectory of this very, very challenging emotional journey layered and associated every step of the way with a relationship of gratitude because it comes every year at Thanksgiving. First of all, it will change. Just like any layer of grief 
the first time I experienced grief, one of my friend's older sisters said something to me like this. She had lost her husband in a very tragic um, situation. And she could tell I was struggling at that time with the, the death of my youngest cousin. And I didn't know, have the capacity to really express myself. And she told me that grief is like an old coat. It stays in your closet. It's the one that you can't quite get rid of. You can't throw it away because every time you pull it out, you look at it, you touch it, you feel it. And it's associated with your memories of something or someone that you loved or believed in that's now gone. And sometimes you pick up that coat and put it back on and you allow it to cloak you in those feelings so that you can be connected to them. And then other days, and as time goes on, more frequently, you'll leave that coat in the closet, knowing that it's there and it's not going anywhere, but being okay with carrying on, knowing that you were transformed by that experience. And that's why I can safely say that what will you do differently Mr. Claypool, or anyone who is experiencing any form of survivor's guilt, whether it is literal, that you've had that experience, or if it's by proxy, because these are some existential questions that people are asking. What is the meaning of all this? What is good? What is evil? What is light? What is dark? Why am I here and why am I still here? Well, there are many of us, and I include myself in this, who are here to have a voice, to share our experiences, to help the path that someone else has to walk afterwards, and hopefully make that burden just a little bit lighter. Eight years ago, seven years ago, six years ago, there were many, many times where I could not conceive of what eight years after, let alone nine or ten, would feel like. But if there's one word that I'm going to leave you with, it's integrated. We can remember these experiences that have shaped us and connected us more closely with why we're here with equal parts, grief and gratitude. And to me, that's the number one goal of existence is to expand your capacity so that you can emotionally handle the positive and the negative, the glorious and the grievous, the light and the dark. Because life is not just one or the other. Life is both. It sounds a little bit like a cliche, but there are a million shades of gray between the lightness of gratitude, creativity, joy, and the darkness of shame and blame and guilt and marginalization. If you're going through something like survivor's guilt, you are going to feel different. You're going to feel like you're out on the margins by yourself and like nobody can really understand what you're going through. 
And it's probably true to a certain extent that your maybe your spouse or your family or your best friends won't be able to, they may sympathize, they may have pity, they may think they know what you're going through, but they don't. And you know that. So what you need to do, if I may, from this vantage point, is instead of disconnecting, make a conscious effort to connect. Connect with people who are on the journey. Connect with people who have gone before you. Connect with people who have that coat, that old cloak hanging in their closet. And rebuild. Rebuild yourself from the inside out. If you start at the core, if you allow yourself to go into the core, into your core, instead of bypassing it, whether you think of it as emotional bypassing or spiritual bypassing, it's not really a shortcut. Trust me. There are many, many people who exist to help and support therapists of all every I want to say designation, qualification, flavor, authors, speakers, coaches, people who will work with your body, work with your body. It will be storing all of these memories and emotions. And I know that's one of the reasons why that half marathon in 2012 was so incredibly healing. Have a voice. Speak your truth. Do not go quiet. Stay connected. The world needs you. That's why you are here. That's the meaning of all of this. So what will you do differently now that you've had an experience that takes you to your core or now that you've heard someone speak about such an experience? We're all here for a reason. I don't believe that everything, quote unquote, happens for a reason, as people will tell that to you. And it's very hard to reconcile that something happens for a reason so that you can somehow heal or grow. Let's not do that. Everything that happens has precisely the meaning that you assign to it. It may be more healing to consider instead of what will you do differently now that you have survived a traumatic event or are experiencing something like survivor's guilt. Not what will you do differently, but what meaning will it have for you? My experience has led me to understand that it is incumbent on me to use my voice when my intuition speaks to me. What will the meaning of your story be? What will the meaning of your challenges be? This is something that is individually up to you. And that's what makes it beautiful in the end. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. 
I know you have a lot of choice where you receive your inspiration and information. If these ideas and stories resonate with you, I would be so grateful if you would take a few extra seconds for two quick things. One, if there's an idea or moment in the story or conversation that you feel would make a difference in someone else's life, take a quick moment to share on whatever app or website you're listening on. And two, subscribe so that you can become part of the ongoing conversation. Big conversations become the catalyst for meaningful change. I'm Laura Tucker, signing off for Free Your Inner Guru.